Well, God bless you. Tonight, we are trusting God in the pain. Trusting God in the pain. Um, we have been tracking through this, this study on the refiner's fire, more precious than gold. And last week, we looked at um, Moses. We're, we're looking at the refiner. We're looking at the crucible. We're looking at the fire. And last week, we looked at our response to the refiner, our response to the fire. And knowing that our response is what displays the Christ that is within us. Do you respond in meekness? Meekness. What is meekness? Sometimes people have thought of meekness. A person who is meek is someone who is weak. Contrary. We looked and we saw that a person who is meek is actually like that, that wild stallion. A wild stallion who has a, Brit in, a bridle in his mouth and he is under the control uh, of the rider. He has to surrender to the bit and um, it, it is that demonstration of strength under control. That is what the true definition of meekness is, strength under control. Do you have strength under control? My feet weren't on the floor 30 seconds today, and I think I lost my strength under control under the covers. <laughs> I, got, I got mad at something, and I'm like, I, 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 I says, oh, Lord, geez, that's the wrong way to start the day. <laughs> But uh, God is good. I, I quickly called myself into order. <laughs> called myself into submission. Not going to walk outside of the Holy Spirit's control today. So there are some teachings that are out there that uh, want us to want to say that, you know, because we're Christians and we're children of God, everything has to go perfect in our life. Everything has to be, be good, has to be great. How are you doing? Go, oh, I'm blessed. And, and we're afraid to admit, like, I'm, I'm really going through a storm right now. And, and um, while we are blessed, and while we are highly favored, and while we are children of the king, Jesus himself said that in this world, John 16, I think it's verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So if Jesus has told us that, and Jesus himself endured trials, then we ourselves are going to endure the trials, but we can be of good cheer. We could walk in the confidence, yes, I'm blessed. I can take heart because Jesus overcame that. And so when I say that, I say that, to indicate this, see, if we don't believe that we can go through pain as children of God, then we are as much as saying God is not in control. Because God is in control of the storm, and he's in control of the sun. He's in control of all things. We have to believe that he's not only in control of the good, but he's also in control of the bad that happens to our lives because everything that happens is filtered through the almighty fingers of God nothing will happen within my life that God has not permitted it to pass through my life 
So in every painful affliction, in every trial, in everything that we face, God is working. We may not see how. I may not understand that he's working, but I could be assured that he is working. And he is working for my good. Because trials were never meant to destroy me. Trials were never meant to defeat you. Trials were meant to form us, to shape us, to mold us. Like the potter and the clay. And the clay's on that potter's wheel. And the potter is spinning the wheel. And he's shaping that clay into the specific pottery that he wants it to look like. But now and again, maybe too much water is applied. Something happens that all of a sudden what he is shaping is and forming gets out of shape, and he has to push it back down and take that clay and reform it and reshape it. And you know what? That is the same for us when we face circumstances, when we face troubling days, when we face times when we just don't understand what God is doing. We could know, I'm not going to be in despair. I'm not going to be destroyed because God is working it out. It's meant for my refining. I don't always like to think that. I don't always like to think that I'm in a refining moment. Do I ever get to the place of being fine? (laughs) Like, if I'm in a refining moment, do I ever get, is the whole time going to be refining God? Do you ever feel like you go through those seasons of continual refining? Like, Lord, uh, you know, when, when, Lord, But we look at tragedies that we've gone through in our lives. We look at hard times. And that's exactly what we do. We say when, why, how come. We turn on the news. And and I tell you, sometimes I'm listening to the news. And I've said this time and time again. And I just don't get it. Like I find myself saying more and more, God, just come. Like Like just come. Let's just call it a day. Just come. You know, sometimes people call me and, and, and they'll share with me things that they're going through or things that have been done to them. And, and in the midst of listening to it, my mind is thinking, but God, where are you in all of this? When somebody has, has opened up the abuses that have been done to them and you think, God, where? Like, where, Lord? And yet he is sovereign. To believe that he is God and to believe that he is sovereign, then I must believe that he reigns supreme and that he is in control of all things. So therefore, when I don't understand and, and, and somebody is speaking to me something that my mind just can't wrap itself around, like how could this be? And God, yet in your justice and in your wisdom and in everything that there is about you, in your sovereignty, you allow that to filter through your fingers. For the refining and the perfecting and the molding and the shaping of our lives. Even the bad choices that we have made, even the things that have come upon us because of the bad choices that we have made, God has allowed to be filtered through his fingers. 
It might be because of what I've done that, yeah, I deserve that, yet God still allowed that to be filtered through his fingers. We must believe God. Why? Because Isaiah 14, 24 and 27 says this, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Verse 27, for the Lord of hosts has purposed and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out and who will take it back? He has purposed something for each and every one of us in this place tonight. He has purposed something for your life. Who could annul it? His hand is stretched out. Who can take it back? Can you go against the hand of God? He's working out his sovereign plan. God is there. He is here. Whatever is the difficulty that we are facing, whatever be the trial, God is in it. He is there for us. He is working out his sovereign plan. But what do we have to do? Be still. We have to be quiet and we have to hear him and to see the details of our lives. So it's in the stillness, it's in the quietness that when we choose to block out the distractions of everything going on around us, that we're able to hear the voice of God speaking to us. We're able to see through the eyes of God exactly what he is doing and exactly what he is working out. Where are you in all of this? Where are you in all of this? The common question that we would ask or find ourselves asking when we're just at the bottom of the despair. God, where are you? We can actually find ourselves lifting up a word of praise. Lord, I feel like I don't know where you are right now, but yet I will trust you. God, I can't see what you're doing in this situation. I don't understand what you're doing in, the, in this situation, but yet I will praise you. Horatio Spadfor, Spafor. He was a man, um, he was uh, in Chicago during the Great Fire of 1871. He was a, a, a successful attorney. He was a successful real estate uh, agent. And um, one day he, he had a four-year-old son, and this four-year-old son died of scarlet fever, which was very common in those days. And so he felt a very uh, important thing would be that the family go away on a vacation because of the, the way the loss hit their home. And so he sent his wife and his remaining four daughters on a ship to go to England. And while they were crossing over on the Atlantic, this ship collided with another ship and it sank. 200 people were uh, killed in that collision uh, at sea uh, and only his wife survived. And when she arrived in England... She sent a telegram back to her husband, Horatio, and said to him, saved alone, what shall I do? 
What shall I do? And so Horatio, her husband, immediately set sail to England. And um, at one point while he was on the voyage, the, the captain of the ship that he was on knew of the story of his tragedy and knew of the, the story of the ship that his wife and daughters were on. And when they came to the location of where his wife's ship collided with another ship, the captain said, it is here, Horatio, that your wife and children and the ship that they were on struck tragedy. And so as he was there on the ship and he looked over the waters and he thought about the loss of his daughters, it was a good intention. I'm going to send my family away on a vacation. We, they, the girls just lost their brother. They're terribly sad. My wife has lost her son. We need to regroup, reconnect, work through this trial. And as he's there at the spot in which the collision took place, and he looks over the body of waters, and he's thinking about his daughters, his heart became flooded with words of comfort. And so he quickly wrote them down. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. And we sing that song, we sing it at funerals a lot, but if we knew that the man who penned it, and when we sing it, if we sung it with the acknowledgement of saying, this man lost his son and his four daughters, and in that turmoil of heartache, while he's reflecting on the exact location of the, his loss, God fills his heart with this peace. It is well with my soul. We would sing it with a whole different countenance of heart. A whole different countenance of heart. Perhaps we can't always say that everything is well. Perhaps we can't always say it is well with my soul. Because we know what we're doing. We know what we're into. But... There will, all, there will always be storms that we're going to face, tragedies such as this Horatio. But having faith in God and trusting in him for his divine help, we can confidently say, no matter what, no matter what my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So we have to rest, we have to rest and we have to be still. We can't allow the calamity that is going around, around, on around us. We can't allow the distraction of the tragedies and the, the distraction of the hardship that we are even in the midst of to cause us to be unsettled, to cause us to be unstill. That is the most crucial time for us to be still and know that he is God is in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the fire, when the refiner comes to turn that temperature up just another notch because he just finished skimming some of the drouse away, 
And yet as he looks upon that piece of silver, it's not yet fully refined. It's not yet fully showing his reflection. And so he turns it up yet another notch. Surrender to the fire. Surrender to the fire. We're going to look back tonight at Habakkuk because Habakkuk was in a place where he was saying, when, Lord? How long, Lord? We studied the book of Habakkuk. If after this it tweaks your, your curiosity about this guy Habakkuk, you can go back in the archives of our sermons and you could see in January 21, we, we did a series on Habakkuk. But Habakkuk had a question. I've trusted you. I've believed in you. But when are you going to break through? When are you going to answer this prayer? Are you in that place tonight? When, God, when are you going to answer this prayer? I've been praying this many years. I've been believing this many years. When are they going to come through that? When is my loved one going to come to know you as Savior? When am I going to be out of this pit? Habakkuk 1, verses 1 to 4. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Can you relate? And does it not sound like the world we're in today? Justice goes forth perverted. It's, it's like he wrote it in 2023. It, not much has changed. And so I feel like I can relate to, to Habakkuk. How long, Lord? Like, when are you going to return and, and come for your church? I could relate to his questioning. Can you? God, why aren't you doing something? And I love how God answers. Look at verse 5. God says to him, look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. God is doing something. He is always doing something. He is always at work and it will be always for his glory, for our good, no matter how painful it is. No matter how many times we may feel like we want to throw, out, throw in the towel. But this verse here, people will claim this verse 5 and they will claim it like great promises are about to happen. I'm going to do a work in your day that you would not believe if I told you. But like if you were to actually consider what God meant in that verse, God was warning the people. He was warning them like, 
if I told you, you'd be glad I didn't tell you. You just need to know if I, I'm going to do something, but it's not going to be done exactly how you would have thought, nor how you would have determined. And what was it that God was going to do? He was going to send the Babylonians, these evil people, to work against his chosen ones. If I was Habakkuk, I would say, seriously, God, stop right here. You're going to take those who are even more evil, and you're going to take them to come and attack your people, to devour your people, your people who have done bad, but not even as bad as that, and you're going to allow these Babylonians to come in, God? You know how God responded? <laughs> God, is, God is God. He's sovereign. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that, yes, I'm going to allow these Babylonians to come in. Yes, I know the hardship that they are going to cause. Yes, I know the destruction that they are going to do. I know how my people are going to suffer. I know. But listen to verses 9 through 11 of chapter 1. Oh, they come all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of the earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. Habakkuk knew that God would use the Babylonians as a rod of correction, not as instruments of destruction. That's really what God was doing with the Babylonians. He was bringing that rod of correction because his people had done evil. They had allowed themselves to have their attention on other gods rather than him, the only God. And so while they were going to be facing, yes, some destructive days, yes, while they were going to be facing hardship, God was allowing it for their correction. Have you ever been driving and all of a sudden you got off on the wrong way? And your GPS, because that's what I depend on, says recalibrating, course correct. This is what's happening to the children of Israel. They are on a course correct. You got off on the wrong path. You were turning towards other guys. God's course correct. The Babylonians are going to come in. It's going to be hard for you, but course correct. God never brought us to the refiner's fire to destroy us. Or to bring us to a place of feeling defeated. As I said in the beginning, he desires to purify us. That we may be a representation of who he is. We've sung the song in church. It says, um, it's called Refiner. 
by a man named Chandler Moore, and it says this, if the altar's where you meet us, take me there. Take me there if you're looking for an offering. It's right here. It's my life. My life is here. I'll be a living sacrifice for you. You're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire, Lord. Here's my life. If your glory wants to come in, let it fall. We want it all. Lord, your fire is consuming. Fill this place. Set it ablaze. I'll be a living sacrifice for you. You're the fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire, purifier, purified. You take whatever you desire, Lord. Here's my life. Clean my hands. Purify my heart. I want to burn for you, only for you. Take my life as a sacrifice. I want to burn for you, only for you. You're the fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire, Lord. Here's my life. Could you pray that kind of prayer? One day I was driving when I first heard that song and I was singing along with it and all of a sudden I heard myself <laughs> say, I want to be tried by fire, purified, and I just stopped. I thought, Melody, do you know what you just said? Get ready. You want to be tried by fire, purified, get ready, because he's going to put you in the fire, and he's going to purify you. I actually stopped. The, the song continued to play in the background, but I actually stopped, because I thought the weight of those words, yes, I want to be tried by fire, purified. I want to be whatever he desires. Lord, here's my life. It's a hard prayer to pray. It's even hard to walk through it because sometimes it just gets a little too hot. Habakkuk, though, this was his response. After the Lord said what we just read in verses 9 to 11, he said this, Oh, Lord, my God. What a praise. Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you are eternal. Right there, he is praising God. You are holy. You are my God. You are eternal. Surely you don't plan to wipe us out. And isn't that just like us? We praise God and then we insert another little thought. Oh, Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But, but God, you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? You see, because the children of Israel hadn't even done half the evil that the Babylonians had done. But God was not just going to look lightly upon it. 
Habakkuk heard God's response. And initially, he started out with a praise, but then followed with more questions. Yes, we have questions. Yes, I can be praising God. God, I thank you. You're going to bring me through this situation. But how long is the situation? God, thank you that, that you've been there in the past. And thank you that you are here in this moment. But Lord, let not it and we go like this. We give God praise and we come in with the rebuttal of questions. That is just like us. We are men like Habakkuk. God gives us a feeling, though, of insurance in our hearts, doesn't he? And he allows us to experience that peace. So somehow we look at ourselves, this crucible, this crucible self, and we feel the heat of the impending flames like the day of my car. I want to be tried by fire, purified. And I felt the heat of the flames. But then we rise up to the challenge that God is before us. And God will work out his perfect plan. Habakkuk once more put his faith in what he knew. He knew that God was sovereign. He knew that God rules over everything. Why? Because it is God's intended purpose to work all things together for our good according to his purposes and for his glory. Romans 8 and 28. He works all things together for our good and for his glory. But Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says this. He's heard the Lord. He's heard what the Lord's steps of actions are going to be. And then he gives his praise song with more questions. And he responds to God and he says, I'm going to climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. And there I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. I'm going to wait and see, God, how you're going to answer. I'm going to wait and see exactly how you're going to respond. I'm going to see what you're going to do, God. Isn't that amazing? God, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you, Lord. I don't get it in the moment. I don't even understand it, but I'm going to wait on you. I don't see it. Nothing is clear to me, but I'm going to wait on you. How many times have you decided that through your trial, you're going to pause and wait on God? Oh, that's encouraging. A whole lot of you. <laughs> you're going to wait on God and see what his answer is going to be. You're not going to be distracted. You're not going to see the circumstances and let them get you off course. You're not going to see the circumstances and cause them, to, cause them to make you to doubt that God is sovereign and that God is in control. Well, God is faithful. And he says to Habakkuk as an answer. His answer to Habakkuk is gold. You, you have to get your pen out, your highlighter, your crayon, whatever you do to mark your Bible. And you have to underline God's answer Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and it says this, The vision is for a future time, 
It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. I will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and, they live, and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. God says to us tonight the same thing he said to Habakkuk. I want you to live by faith. The only answer through your trial, the only answer through this crucible, the only answer through this fire, the only answer through this confusion, the only answer through this sickness, the only answer through this despair is that you live by faith, that by Psalms 46 verse 10, that you are still and that you know that I am God. That according to Psalm 23, that you will know that I, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you don't have to fear evil because I am with you. I will not leave you. My rod and my staff are there to comfort you. Be still. Don't worry of this trial. Don't worry of this hardship. I am the one who prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. In the midst of all of this trouble, I'm the one who's going to come and bring you splashes of joy, moments of laughter. I'm the one who will anoint your head with oil. Because surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. My goodness, my mercy, it's going to follow you. So rest, be still, have faith, live by faith. What's the response to the, to the refiner when he has us in the fire and we see him raise the temperature? Surrender to the fire. Live by faith. Live by faith. Matthew 4 verse 4 says this, but it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, by, by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If the mouth of God in his word is saying, be still and know that I am God, live by that word. If the mouth of God is saying, I prepare a table before you in the presence of the enemy, live by that word. If the mouth of God is saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, then live by that word. If the mouth of God is saying to you, even when you are walking through the darkest place of your life, I will be with you, then live by that word. Have faith. There was a saying, no peace, no God. No peace, N-O, peace. No, N-O, God. If you do not have peace, then you do not have God. But if you know God, then you will know peace. 
Peace is found in God's will. What is God's will? To shape us, to form us into the image that reflects who he is. That our lives are bringing glory to him. The fire always will allow us to find refuge and rest in God. In the face of our increasing challenges, the fire will always allow us to find refuge and rest in God. How did Habakkuk end this song? Here he he knew of what was going to come against Israel. He knew as a prophet he had to deliver this message of doom. He chose to stand watch, and then God gave him the vision. He knew of what it was going to cost and how it would look like for the people. And at the end, he says this in verses 13 to 19, or chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice. I will be joyful in God my Savior. When the Babylonians come and they have taken everything that we have, when we've been stripped of everything that we have, there's no cattle in the stalls, no sheep in the pen, yet I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to be joyful in God, my Savior. No sooner he made that declaration, he solidified it with his final feet of hope, his final plug of hope. He didn't just say, yet I will rejoice. I will be joyful in God my Savior. But verse 19, he ended, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer, and he makes me tread on high places. He makes the feet, my feet like deer, and he makes me to tread on high places. In other words, his strength lifts me up that I could bound like a deer. Have you ever seen the deer going across the meadow where I am? I get to see deer once in a while, not a whole lot of times. But they they have such a, a graceful leap. When they go running across the field, it's such a graceful leap. Why? That when he says, the Lord is my strength, he makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread in high places. And the deers are able to go up to the mountain. The, the way their, their hoof has been fashioned, they're able to go up. And so we will be like that. We have been fashioned to be able to climb those mountains despite the rocks that want to hinder us and cause us to fall. You tonight have places to walk. You have places to go. You have things to do. High places to tread. High places to tread. Stop loitering down in the place of, I'm in such a despair. Eeyore. Stop having an Eeyore mentality. Oh, poo. I suppose there's no more honey. 
Stop having an Eeyore mentality. Trust God. Far be it from us to mistrust the refiner. Far be it from us to to mistrust that when he holds the temperature of heat within his hands, that his eyes will leave the fire. No, when he holds the temperature and he raises it, his eye is on the fire because what's in the fire is the crucible. So his eye is truly on us. Romans 9 verses 20 to 21 says this, but who are you? Who are you, O man, to answer back God? Will what is molded say to his molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Who are you? Habakkuk could have bombarded God with more questions, but instead he said, God is my strength. God is my salvation. I will rejoice and be joyful. We don't have a solution to everything that we face. We don't. We'd love to. I would love to. But we just have to take our strength and fortitude in God. God, you said it. I believe it. So I'm going to trust you. He said it. I believe it. I'm going to trust you. Your ways are not my ways. Your ways are always pure and just. They're fair because you see things from the end to the beginning. God, you are God. You're in control. Is that your position tonight? We'll end with these two scriptures. Job said this, I know in Job 42 verses 1 to 5. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you will make it known to me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the word, but now my eye sees you. What a whole different perspective. I've questioned you on things that were just too wonderful for me to understand. My ear has heard things, but now my eye, my eye has seen you. My eye has seen you. And you know what Paul says? Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 9. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power, God's supremacy, belongs to God and not us. We are what? Afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Struck down but not destroyed. That's where you are tonight. You might be perplexed, but you're not in despair. You might be crushed, persecuted, but you're not forsaken. 
not forsaken, not for a moment. His eye is on the fire, and when he sees his reflection, he will retrieve you from the fire. When you walk through the fire, because you're not going to always be in the fire, though it may feel like it. There will be a time when you will be retrieved because you will have reflected the very image of Christ. The very image of who he is. Are you liking the refiner's fire? Father God, we thank you tonight. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your abounding grace, your mercy, God, to see us unfit, and yet to see beyond our unfit ways, to see beyond our messy lives, to see beyond our, our, our questioning and challenging of you. And Lord, you just so gracefully increased that temperature just so that we could reflect your glory. Lord, for everyone that is here tonight, for everyone that is tuned in tonight, Lord, may you give us that fortitude. May we be, as Habakkuk said, as, deer, as ones with deers and hind feet going to high places in you, O oh God. May you give us those feet to reach high places, O oh God, and not to be distracted by the things that are taking place in this earth that is around us. But may our eyes be fixed on you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, for those who have joined us online on Facebook and YouTube, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. We welcome you here Sunday morning uh, to hear God's word as pastor will be bringing it. Pastor will be back in the house Sunday morning. God bless you. We will see you then. Bye for now.